0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Our Generation On Air. My name is Alex Willamore and this week there is plenty of pain to discuss I think would be the right way to put it. Uh, QPR sent us right through various emotions from boredom to despair to surprising joy then back to last minute despair uh, and joining me this week to discuss all of this uh, is two Our Generation regulars Ben Summer and Micah Chadley. Welcome back guys. Hey, hey, you're hey. Right.
1: Happy New Year to everybody listening.
0: Absolutely. Uh, and also joining us uh, is special guest, Steve Bernard, who you might know better as QPR Analytics on Twitter. Steve, thanks for coming on for and joining us.
2: No worries at all, Alex. And thank you guys for uh, for having me this week. Cheers. Nice to have you on. Uh, so before we launch into
0: our reviews of the Hatch of games that we've just played, let's just take a moment to talk about the one bit of breaking news from today. That is the departure of macaulay Um th- This is a move that I guess never happened uh, in the way that we wanted it to. Nine appearances this season, no goals. 44 appearances in total, just three goals scored. Steve, this, this didn't work at all, did it?
2: Uh, it certainly didn't, Alex. Um, in fact, it's hard to... Uh it's hard to think of a of a worse value signing over over recent recent years i mean maybe we can list a couple of them but uh but he's right up there certainly and it's really disappointing because you know he came over from charlton and he looked uh he looked pretty good uh, in the first two or three months that he was he was at the club i remember um he scored the last minute uh i think it was either equalized um, forgive my um uh my references here, but uh, I think he scored a pretty vital goal at Sheffield Wednesday um, early on, and you kind of thought, yeah, we've got a really, uh, really, really good player here, but um, not really worked out at all. And at a time when the club need to uh, really get the most value, uh, most value possible that they can for a player, it's um, yeah, it's it's not worked at all, as you said, very a great shame.
1: Yeah,
0: um, you mentioned there his first goal. For the club against Sheffield Wednesday you've obviously famously I guess scored a winning goal against Derby as we so often do in the last minute of the game to sort of I think that that was one of the lockdown games and that certainly uh, you know kept kept us going a little bit longer with a little bit more entertainment can any of you name the other team you scored against?
1: Oh good question
0: Really good
3: question. I, those were the two goals that came to because I think it was Chef Wednesday was the equaliser and Derby the winner, yeah. and they were both really both really late.
0: Chef Wednesday um, was first game of the season, I think.
3: First away game, I think. Oh, it was game. Game. Well, fact, yeah, the certainly yeah. Of the, game, the, certainly of the game first game then. that he had played. Yeah. Um, did
1: he score against? Did he score against Cardiff when Don Ball scored that absolute screamer? No. That was
3: a that was a Todd
0: Kane goal, I think, and and okay. Elise
3: Sharing. Yeah. Uh, uh,
1: I don't know. No, I've got I've got nothing.
0: Put you out your misery and say it's Luton Town in Charlie. Um, or oh, oh come good back goal! Home. Very nice goal yeah. as well. Yeah, he sort oh, of through and he,
3: he finishes to one side of the keeper. Yeah, that was a nice goal.
0: Yeah. Um, so, as you said, this is a bit of a failure, but this is a a move on both parties for him to go and get some first team football, I imagine, and for us to free up some. Uh, room in the squad and in the wage budget and whatnot to potentially make a signing however on my way to the Sheffield United game the other day listened to BBC Radio London and one of the guys on there mentioned that they'd spoken to Lee Hughes and Lee Hughes basically said there's going to be nothing happening or next to nothing happening this transfer window so have you guys heard any sniff of a transfer rumor of anything This, you know, only four
1: days into the window. Uh, I heard something about um, Sam Surridge, um, which just doesn't really seem to make much sense to me. Um, I don't know about you guys, but uh, one, I'm not sure why he would come to us. Two, I'm not sure why we would be looking for a Sam Surridge when, you know, everything about the model, or supposedly the model is, you know, young players... You know, fixing them up and selling them on for profit. Um, I don't know if you guys think. I know Critchley was a four-four-two man at Blackpool, so maybe it's the case of he just wants two big guys up top. I don't know if you guys think that's exciting to you, but I'm not sure how I feel about that. Where is he now? <laughs> is he, he at he- oh, Forest? Oh, forest, forest, forest,
0: yeah, Forest. So he, they're obviously are they looking to offload him as one of their cast of thousands, like you know, because yeah, they, they're making transfers yeah. aren't they
2: ten games this
0: season, only one start, so you'd think probably, but yeah, I would
2: wonder I mean, if that would be a he's, loan he's not a bad he's not a bad option I mean the trouble is we we just need numbers we we need numbers up front we we we, we don't have anything really now the mm. bond's gone, we've got one main striker, and we've got uh a very raw talent in sinclair Armstrong, and that's and that's we just need numbers so i think it's a case of we'll take anyone at yeah. <laughs> the moment um the only other the only other snippet i saw doing the rounds was um a boweaway is it a, a boweaway from palace oh, from palace yeah, yeah.
1: To, i think he's gone to hull now though isn't he oh, he's oh, oh, he oh, was he was he gone, oh,
2: he he, gone. He, they were leading the race
0: and i think they've agreed a deal now so you know, Fair it's a matter of time for them but i don't know like i think you're right steve it is just a case of We will take anyone we can get. Uh, Hopefully in in that situation, we're not just sort of, uh, you know, paying exuberant amounts to sign a striker that might not work out in the long term. If anything's going to happen, surely it will be a loan. Um, But, you know, there's still uh, a lot of time to go and there's a lot of time for those rumours to develop. So let's move on to Cardiff. Um, You know, this is a game that I guess will... Not live long in the memory of anyone that was watching it on the TV or in a stadium. Um, the quick look back at the team news Dickie came back into the starting 11. Uh, Jake Clark Salter is you know not to be seen. Uh, and Chair was back in the squad after the World Cup. Um, Ben, and we already mentioned you went down there, uh, because you had to. Um, but for me, sitting in my warm front room back home, this you know, it was obviously not enjoyable, but I didn't think it was absolutely awful. Whereas you had a slightly different view sitting in the stadium.
3: I, I don't think it was sort of reprehensibly awful. I don't think we looked like a sort of team like devoid of any quality or whatever. It just didn't feel like a game in which any player particularly had a, had a good day out uh, in which we looked that tactically aware. I understand you've got to always give some credit to the opponent for a nil-nil, but I, there was there was not much to get excited about, not helped by the weather and the fact that it's Boxing Day and this and that and the other. Um, I think it's kind of impossible to view it out of the context of the two games that followed. Obviously, like talking about it with the benefit of hindsight, if we were speaking after Luton, we would be looking at Cardiff as the start of a potential decline. Uh, looking at it after Sheffield United, which we'll get onto, and I thought was quite a good game, you're now looking at that as maybe a bit of a hiccup on the way to really knowing what we're doing under Critchley, but it was a it was a frustrating game. Um, I didn't think we sort of well, we did, we just didn't particularly get forward. When we did, it almost looked like we'd done it by accident. Uh, there was one moment where Shadipo beat his man, and you're sort of you know willing him to do something with it, and he puts or puts in a cross that floats just over. And I, I think Chair we understand was had a bit of an illness at that point, or, or uh, maybe I'm getting my games mixed up. But he he didn't add what you hoped that he'd add when he came on, and it was just not one to remember. To be honest with you.
0: Yeah. Um, Steve, I seem to remember around the time on Twitter after the game, the store the kind of line that a lot of people were going down was this is four points from two games. We've went to Preston, we've done really well to get a win there. And you could argue that Cardiff is a difficult place to go to, but I didn't quite buy that at the time. Did you kind of would you look at it like that way?
2: I mean, I think I think as whenever we look at any match, you know, it's it's Two teams are on the field, right? And if you look at Cardiff's defensive numbers this season, they're they're ridiculous. They're like one of the. If you look at their um, expected goals against, which is something I like to kind of put on Twitter quite a bit, um, they're really really high. They're they're in, I think they're second or third at the moment for expected goals against. So they are a tough they're a tough nut to crack. You know, they're not uh, particularly easy on the eye kind of team, but they are. They certainly you know their the game defensively and it just felt a kind of you know we we were never going to really crack that nut we didn't really have the ingenuity to kind of crack that nut I thought um, and, and I don't mind that I don't mind I don't, I don't I think any point away from home I don't I know people were very critical about you know Cardiff all very good so we should be going down there and winning should we I don't know it's uh, I, I kind of tried to look at that one more positively I think it wasn't a wasn't a very good performance. It was our third lowest XG of the season, uh, which is not which is not great. Um, but as I say, they are they're top of the to crack. Look at look at some of their recent results. You yeah, know they've drawn nil nil at Coventry. That's that's not terrible. Um, so yeah, take the point, move on. Wasn't very good, but but let's look at that one a bit more positively. Mm.
0: Yeah, I guess in the cold light of day after sort of Luton, it doesn't look too bad. But then again, we were all kind of, after Luton, everything felt very depressing. Micah, like, uh, Ben's already mentioned him. Um Mide Shadipo has got a lot of minutes recently. Um, But the Cardiff, uh, his performance at Cardiff, even though he didn't have a lot of time, we probably, I'd say the worst of his performance re- is recently. I, I thought against Luton, he was sort of like, he just did, a, he did his job at times and he clearly doesn't have the quality but you know we keep on sort of coming back to this and we're kind of wondering why does he is he going to have a bit more of an active role and sort of how do you think he performed against Cardiff
1: um <laughs> just just to start just to start with just the echo on Steve's point I did also feel that actually as a whole it, it wasn't the worst performance I just didn't think we created anything I feel like you know for Critchley it's quite tough because if you're a new manager and you're trying to implement new ideas the worst thing you want the last thing you want is like four or five games in the space of like 10-12 days because you know you've got your ideas that you're trying to implement on the training ground and you don't really have a lot of time to work on it so I was actually relatively okay with the uh, Cardiff performance. Um, In terms of Shadipo Every QPR manager wants a crack at Shadipo, don't they? At first, you know, everybody starts off thinking that they can get something out of Shadipo. Um, You know, from what I see, from what I see from the players' Instagrams and from their Twitters and stuff, he seems to be quite a popular member of the dressing room. You know, i seen him in the summer. Um, he was on holiday, I think, with, with Eze and Osei Samuel, which tells you, you know, one, how long he's been here. Um, and two, clearly he's quite a popular member of the team. And I think, you know, clearly, the clearly, you know, the last coach and the current coach are drawn to that and kind of wanted um to be an active part of the squad. I thought, you know, he he always shows flashes of, you know, there might be something there, but it's only ever really flashes, you know. He's 25 now mm. uh without a goal or an assist in the league to his name. He's one of our longest serving players at the club, and I think he's played 50 games. I mean You know, I'd love it. I'd love it from, I'd love for it to work out. Do you know what I mean? Because I I love seeing that all the academy players, obviously, Nico is is Nico, but you know, I want to see Kakai do well. I want to do, I want to see Shadipo do well, but I just, you know, he's 25 now.
0: Similar thing (laughs) to Kakai, who obviously started against Sheffield United and got quite a few plaudits for it. But that, I think, off the top of my head, would be his 78th game for QPR. And he made his debut in 2016. Yeah, I mean, a long time for it him is. to be at the club. And he's also 25 or something like that now. Yeah. His contract expires next season. These players, surely at a certain point, are going to be looking at their careers thinking, I've got to move on here to actually have a career.
1: Well, I think I have some sympathy for Kakai, <laughs> it? because I do think he is a trier. And I do think, you know, I mean, the best, the, the best Kakai is going to give you, if we're being honest, is like a six out of 10 kind of performance. And I think the other night, he started the first half well. I think he faded a lot towards the end, especially positionally. But, you know, you could argue that's not really his game going forward. He's always been much more of a, you know, sort of classic fullback archetype. You know, he wants to, you know, defend against the winger. And you can argue whether you think he's actually good at that as well. But it's it's for me, I think it's that thing we talk about all the time with McLaren where we didn't give i say Samuel and Manning, those new contracts under McLaren, and then it came back to bite us because we got barely anything for Manning and we pretty much sold Bright for free. Um, and then I think we've just been in panic mode ever since. So it's like any young player that, you know, has a decent game, here's a four or five year deal. Uh just you in can case point you-
0: to one decent game that Nico howell Island's had, you're a better man than I am.
1: Well, I mean, I can't, to be fair. That one was always beyond me. <laughs> that one was always beyond me, but I mean... Uh, yeah. yeah. I don't know, with Shadipo, it's just like, you know, every I feel like every manager goes through their phase of we'll give him a go, he might be quite good, and then they realise uh, you know, this isn't his level. So
3: Yeah, I mean I think just a the point there on that on that comparison between um Kakai and uh, Shadipo. Is that kakai has gone through like a few phases in his career at QPR, and in each of them, you can say at the very least he has made an impact. Um, in terms of he was our almost savior in that really turgid period in lockdown. I thought he came back from. I'm pretty sure he'd been out on loan at that point, and looked I thought really good um, in a back four where we where we had we were able to do relatively little but defend um, because our squad came out of lockdown in the state that it came out of lockdown. Then he's playing that sort of backup at parts to Todd Kane, at parts to it would be Odegaard by that point, And, you know, he's okay and whatever. And then he's now at this point where he's getting very little game time because he's behind Ethan Laird, who you can have a conversation about his, you know, recent performances, but but generally Laird starts ahead of Kakai, no question, um, and then comes in. And actually, I thought I had a really good game um, against Sheffield United. Yes, faded, um, but, you know, showed that solidity, but also actually had a couple of moments going forward, not, not, of the likes that sort of Laird at his best has my point there being that he's made an impact. Um, whereas Shadipo, he's, he's been impactful in short spells out on loan. He's been unlucky with injuries, but Kakai can look back on his career at QPR and go, well, I've done something here and I've done enough to show that I'll be an asset to another club, even if not at the same level. Mm. Whereas I think Shadipo, you know, it, 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 it's not reached that level for me. I understand giving the contracts when we gave them, um, Given that we just had the sort of heartbreak with Osai Samuel and Manning, but um I think it is I think that's two players who have had pretty different careers at QPR. And um I think unfortunately for Shadipo, it does feel like the time's running out. I'd never want a player to fail, but I can't see where the success would come from at this sort of late stage.
0: Yeah. Uh, when you list off what Kakai's been through at QPR, he's you know, he's definitely a fighter, you know, all those sort of different players that have come in and left and he's still here. Um, you know, plus a character assassination from one of your rivals for the position. Ain't going to help you? Is it? Um, uh, I almost
1: forgot do you remember um seven one against West Brom? I forgot that he was in that team. See that's how long he's been here. Yeah, he I played Brighton in his first game How long they've
0: been out of the championship.
1: Yeah, honestly, I thought he was done after the West Brom 7-1, so I always give him credit for
0: Let's be honest, if if Joel Lynch can survive that, anyone can survive. Um, Anything else for Cardiff, really? There was, according to the oh, BBC, say... 22 shots across the game. Only one of them I went on say, target from us. Way,
1: I will say, by the way, because we, we had the what? where is Rob Dickey discussion last time I was on, I think. I thought Rob Dickey... You know, we'll, we'll exclude um, Luton but I think Rob Dickey since he's come back in the team has been close to back to his former self to be honest with
0: you certainly think... against Sheffield United he was yeah. he looked a lot better there
1: he, he, it's still
0: a few wobbly moments against Cardiff but I think Sheffield United was probably his def- best performance uh, just reminded me um, we gave two rather presentable chances away didn't we Steve to uh, Atete and somehow he missed both of them Um you know we 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 bemoan our own striking options, but this you know you would think he he would score one of these
2: you 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 certainly would um and also uh, the guy at the end of the pressing game as well uh, who had a gilt edge chance that went wide um yeah, we do have a habit of kind of letting some of these big chances go at the moment um Again, that's why you can take the positives out of that Cardiff game because you know they could they could look back at that and legitimately say uh, they should have taken all three points. Um, we've come away with their with a point, so yeah, but they should have absolutely been burying that one, or he should have been burying that one absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um. Well, we'll leave Cardiff in the past and move on. And the kind of the feeling I had around that sort of time was, you know. It, the chances we presented to Cardiff there, a better attacking outfit would definitely punish us. Uh, And guess what happened against Luton? Um, If there's one positive, the the Cardiff game should be enough to convince Sky that we shouldn't be on TV for the rest of the season. Um, I don't hold my breath for that, but Mm -hmm. let's be honest, who actually wanted to watch that on Boxing Day? That would uh, ruin your festive season, watching that 90 minutes um so Luton then the team needs from that game uh Tyler Roberts came back into the side Shadipo started and Chair also uh but with Roberts as the uh, number 10 the uh, Willock and Adoma moved out and we moved to a 4231 shape uh with Chair and Shadipo out on the wings so uh how was how was Luton for everyone everyone enjoyed it yeah
2: yeah <laughs> Well, I was I was there. I, I, I don't know if any of the other, uh, you other guys are there, I, but um,
0: I, I left on eighty as soon as it, the goal hit. I then, that was one <laughs> of the mass exodus.
2: Yeah, I I, I left at about eighty five. I don't quite know why I hung around for the extra five minutes, but um, it was uh, uh, probably because I was a cue to get out actually. But um, <laughs> just one of just one of the most depressing, just one of the most depressing visits I've ever had there. Mm. and it's weird it's weird this season i I put out earlier this season that i think this this season certainly is going to be a there's a lot of going to be a lot of high highs and a lot of low lows this season just because we're a very erratic team and I remember um being at the middle for a game uh, at the start of the season. everything about that being there that day was brilliant um uh you know great performance very entertaining beat a very good team. With the Chloe Kelly stuff at uh, halftime, it was great. The Luton game was the absolute opposite of that. It was it was absolutely crushing because, and the reason is, I think, where we're getting stumped by a team. And, and to be fair, if you look at the stats on face value, there wasn't actually loads between the teams. I know that sounds weird. You can actually, this is the whole thing about stats. Um, you can actually point to us having worse stats against Sheffield United, but. Um, it was just, you know, getting stumped by a team who are going past us. They're, mm. they're, they're a team who have been below us for years and years and years, and it's another team. If you look at the bigger picture with QPR, it's another team who've been below us for years, uh, a similar size, if not smaller, who are just basically overtaking us. And that's that was my that was my kind of feeling coming out of that game. It was just so depressing because it because it opened up all of that kind of worms about. You know where are we going as a club? What are we doing? Why are teams like Luton outplaying us? All that kind of stuff. So yeah, not not good.
0: Yeah, the um, I think there was a bit rather crushing stat that that was like the first time we'd lost at home to them since like the 80s or something. So yeah,
2: yeah.
0: you know, th- th- there's been a few of those um those sort of records that have gone recently. I feel like the Barnsley one. They always used to hate coming to us, and they've beat us at home, haven't they recently? And um. <clears throat> I'm thinking Rotherham as well. They usually don't play very well against us at home, but they see, I think have got a better record recently. Um, go, going back to what you're saying about the queue for the exit, that my dad was remarking as we were leaving, that usually when you do leave early, the one positive is that you beat the traffic, but that wasn't going to be possible that day, considering half the stadium
2: no. was leaving. Um, no. apart yeah. from Wood Lane station was busy by that point. So Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah so... Let's uh,
0: go into a little bit of detail then. There's three goals to uh, talk about. The first one, um, I don't know which one's worse, to be honest, because they all have their really poor moments. Um, I guess for the first one, the fact that Doughty's basically allowed the freedom of the pitch down the right-hand side, par- goes receives the ball um, and kind of progresses at us without being challenged at all. Easy makes the ball across to uh, Morris who from quite far out shoots past a few of our players and into the bottom corner. Um, The the whole sort of feeling when we were leaving Loftus Road after that game is that there wasn't enough effort. There wasn't enough sort of, I don't know you could any of the nasty stuff, really at the very least you've got to be flying into a few tackles and making it difficult for them. This was so easy for them, wasn't it? Like you couldn't, that we just invited them to score. Micah, do
1: you want to say um, anything on that? Yeah, yes and no. From my from my seat being the armchair support that I was uh for this game. I did watch it. Me and my dad did have an argument because my dad had felt we didn't get up to him quick enough, which I agree. But I also look at it and think it's a really good finish. Like mm. it is it's like it's right in the corner. It's right where Seni can't reach it. I'm I'm not excusing it because I think it comes down the right side, and we're sort of a bit lax to deal with it. Um, but it is a really really good finish from um, Carlton Morris.
0: Yeah, um, don't take don't, I'm not taking anything away from the finish, but it's kind of the, the thing that annoys me more looking back on the highlights is, uh, how much how easy it is for Doughty to progress without really being challenged by anyone. There's no one there at all. Like, Powell's left one-on-one by him, and he doesn't doesn't necessarily do much. He doesn't come out to him. Uh, he kind of just retreats a little bit, and I guess that is kind of a part of the defending that we do. But you think of the players that should have been there um, who, you know, you've got two midfielders in field and Iribunum that aren't even close to that. I guess they must have been dealing with something else closer to the ball before that ball was played to, across to him. Um, but he kind of does everything that we, a lot of the time, our wingers don't do or, or our midfielders. He just progresses with the ball, doesn't he, Steve? He just charges. It's a simple game sometimes,
2: it's, football. It, it's a very simple game, and Luton play a very simple way, and it's kind of it's very effective for them. Um, I think, mean, yeah, it will, it Will that kind of summed it up. If, I take the point. It's absolutely it's a very good finish. It is a good finish for Morris. Uh, and he's been playing very well this season. But for me, I think what was the really depressing thing about that was the response. I mean, yeah, there's a bit of a response there from Rangers, but but not, not a huge amount. You know, I don't think Luton were ever really massively troubled. I think they had our number. I think, um and I think this gets to something that I posted this morning about, you know, when we go behind in games, you know, there's a big difference in terms of how we get an outcome in the outcome of QPR matches when we score first and when we... between when we score first and uh, when we concede first. You can say, well, that's true of any team. And and it is. There is always a variance. But we are one of the uh, uh, most egregious teams that not really being able to come back into a game. And I think the problem is that that game game is textbook. What was illustrating that... Um, it's uh it, the response is poor. And then the second goal, straight after half time, when you think, you know, we've had a pretty average half, you get in at half time and you think, Okay, let's let's restart again. And within a couple of minutes of the second half, we're, we're two down. It's kind of uh, it's just so it's just so easy for them for Luton, just so easy.
0: Yeah, this was uh right out of the Ian Holloway QPR playbook, wasn't it? Conceding straight after half time. Um, was sort of like a staple of that side under Holloway. And it was just kind of, you know, the the talking points around the stadium, I imagine. I mean, my dad certainly said something to me along the lines of, do you think he's going to give them a right bollocking in the changing room? Do you think they, they're going to get told off? And, you know, any other manager you'd be convinced, yes. I mean, with our previous boss, I imagine they they would have been screamed at. With Warnock, they would have been screamed at. Critchley doesn't seem to be a screamer. His assistant seems to be a bit more of that. I I think this is kind of the the problem that, you know, you know, bullshitters work at GPR, as posted by uh, a West London sport journalist, but people like Critchley don't necessarily. And I think this is kind of what was the feeling at halftime. Can I slightly
3: jump in? I mean, I know that that's a sort of not a point necessarily about Critchley himself as much as like what fans perceive and what someone looks like. I would just like to add that if you watch Critchley's facial expressions in any post-match interview, and I don't care what he's saying or what tone of voice he's saying in, which is usually quite a muted tone of voice, that man contains... The entire spectrum of human emotion within his facial expressions. So I think there is a side to him in that changing room that we as fans will not see. Yeah. But I will, I, I, I'll, I'll post the the facial expressions. I guess we can't do it as the cover for the podcast. I'll do it in the replies on the tweet. Have a look on our Twitter. That is, you know, there, there, there's there's a lot within that man that I think we don't see. Yeah. But even I'm... if
1: there even if there isn't like even if there isn't sorry Alex like I understand. We we've had big characters and the big characters were in my lifetime. It's always been a big character with success. Holloway, Warnock, if you want to count Redknapp as a success, I count him as a semi-success, Redknapp, right? I get it, right? We we love arousing speech. We love somebody that is quite quick-witted with the journalists and whatnot. But, like, that's not the only, like, manager that's been successful in the history of football. I distinctly recall Thierry Henry saying "Arsen Wenger shouted at him only a couple of times in his career. That was the assistant, you know? There's other ways it. Some managers are thinkers. Some managers are shouters. Mm. Now I feel like everybody's been ready to peg Critchley with this this weak thing. You know I don't think you get promoted from League One on the budget he had at Blackpool yeah. if you're weak. You know yeah. I don't think you finish 16th in the Championship with that budget if you're weak. I don't think Steven Gerrard wants you at Aston Villa if you're weak. You know it's it's just it's ridiculous. We need to get past this idea that we need a big character at QPR to be successful. Mm. The, yeah. the only
0: th- the thing I will say about that is that um, I remember reading when he joined us that <clears throat> went before his one of his assistants came in, he wasn't necessarily doing so well at Blackpool. And it was once the assistant came in that everything sort of uh, turned around a little bit. So I think not necessarily that he's like a weak personality, but I certainly think there's a sort of, you need so the other. The other coach seems to be a bit more of a sort of active presence on the sidelines. A little bit more, you know, shouting to not that correctly just stands there. But you see both of them moving around quite a bit.
1: Yeah, no, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you can't have somebody's yeah. got to, you know give them a kick up the backside. Do you know what I mean? I'm just saying just but they because ser- they have, you know and screaming, and or yeah. on the sideline. You know, it doesn't mean that. The players what,
0: aren't whatever <laughs> happened though at half time, it didn't work, did it? Because it's a, uh, um, like Steve said, it's just it's pathetic again, isn't it? The the ball comes into the box, and it's I think it's Powell that gets like half a header on it, it takes it away perhaps just from Dicky. You know, I think other people will argue that Dicky should do better. You know, watching it back today, I think it's I think it probably comes at a bit of pace, him, and it's just he's right behind Powell, but it just falls to the back post. Uh, I think it's Dykes, isn't it? That sort of is meant to be marking him. And at that point, let's be honest, I think we all knew that that was it. Game over.
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely game over at that point. Um, Well, that's the thing though, isn't it? It shouldn't really be game over, but that was a feeling that I had and the people around me had. And, um, that, that says a lot about faith we have at the moment of us coming back into matches, you know, especially when we're two goals behind. Um, yeah, very, very disappointing. It's weird actually. We've got very good underlying numbers defensively for set pit from defending set pieces. It's not really coming out of in reality. For some reason we're still not dealing with that. It's the same old problems that we had under Warburton. Just for some reason it's whether it's uh, people not taking responsibility or miscommunication or uh, just not being engaged and decisive. I don't know. It's, do it's, those it's, numbers it's like include
0: Kind of the first is that just the first ball into the box, or does that sort of combined with the like first I, and second I think,
2: phases? I think it's the first ball into the box, but I mean I'd, I'd have to go and look at the definition there. But um, it's uh, but but it, but surprisingly, I mean, I, it was posted a while ago, probably about October time. We, we had something like the we're in the kind of top five or six for defending set pieces on expected goals, but um, for whatever reason, it's just not. We're, that's not actually coming out in reality, so um, more work to do. And to be what fair, like if,
0: you know, the the problem that we were discussing a few weeks ago before the departure of bill was that you know we we had this problem um, from set pieces where, to be fair, we were probably making the first contact, but right. it was the second contact or the third that was the problem. We're failing to clear our lines there. We do kind of we do get up and probably clear the ball first time, but. It's just that it doesn't go very far and it comes back straight back at us, um, which probably is the problem there. Uh, So, you know, we we say that we knew that that was going to be it at 2-0. But we do get a reasonably presentable chance. Um, I don't think anyone in particular had a bad game, but some people would argue that Dykes was one of the worst. I would make the case for saying that Tyler Roberts was probably one of the worst. And yet here he is creating a chance that Dyke should be scoring, shouldn't he? Micah?
1: Yeah, he should score. Um, I don't particularly think he played, he played very well, um, but I don't think he was the only one. Uh, but you know, if you, as a striker, if you miss a good chance, the spotlight's going to be on you, isn't it? Um mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good pass from Tyler Roberts. It's a really good sort of that half space cross from him. Um, yeah, it, it it just it 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 was one of those games where it just didn't feel like we were going to score, you know, and that just kind of just topped it off more than anything. Yeah. So
0: let's look at Dykes and the striking situation in sort of wider context because right after this game, he goes and shows us at Sheffield United that he can be a pretty effective striker without actually scoring any goals. Um, certainly caused an. You know he was a nuisance, you can probably say uh, for the ninety minutes there, so Steve, you released a graph earlier this week that highlighted how poor we are at creating the big chances, so you know just sort of explain that and what we can read into it
2: well it's it's really the you know it's it's a massive decline actually throughout the season in terms of the number of quality chances that we're that we're creating we um We started off under Michael Beale pretty good in this in this kind of context. Um we were up there in the certainly the top half of good quality chances created, but um that's really taken a nosedive, obviously along with the form in the last uh, over the last few games. And um and it's it, it, you know one of the reasons why we have a very average XG at the moment. You know, so if you if you look at the chances created and you look at the XG, it's all very sort of bottom half mid table kind of kind of fair at the moment and it's um you know this was kind of highlighted earlier on in the season even though we were creating some pretty good chances earlier on in the season in that the number of long range efforts we were taking you know if you look at willex goal against millwall uh look at goal against Borough, um you know a lot of our a lot of our goals were coming from um low probability chances um so it's, it's it's a big problem it's, it was a big problem last year as well. You know we have a lot of possession. yeah you know, we we're up there in I think we were might have changed now, but certainly a couple of weeks ago we were about seventh in terms of average possession uh, in the in the league. We're not doing anything with it. And if you look at our um non-shot xg, which takes it, I know and I know XG isn't everyone's cup of tea, and I'm sure non-shot xg is pro- possibly even fewer people's cup of tea. But and again, it's very, very average. We have a lot of possession and we don't do it. We're guilty, I think, probably more than any other team in the league of having this much possession and not doing a lot with it. Um, as evidenced again by Luton, when we're trailing in the game and it's just lots and lots of sideways passing between Jimmy Dunn and Rob Dickey and Senny Dieng and the full-backs. And it's kind of, this is this is this this has been a problem for a couple of years now. Uh, yeah. It's uh, We don't have we rely on inspiration, inspirational moments from Cher and, and Willock, primarily. Yeah. There's no one else in that team, I'm afraid to say, who is... Johansson does create chances. They don't tend to be brilliant chances. But other than that, it's flat. It's really flat. I was going to say that that whole
1: possession thing is very Warburton era, isn't it? Especially towards the end. Yeah, I just totally. Really done anything with the ball. Um, yeah, which, which points to a larger problem, really.
0: The the other interesting thing about that, because when you posted that and obviously there's been games since then, so I don't know whether the numbers would have changed, but we had uh what was it? It is one point zero eight chances or what would be chances, whatever it was. And that was actually that's the same as Blackburn and Sunderland, who are I think Sunderland is still above us on the table, I assume they are. You know, both sides are above us having pretty good seasons. And the difference is, would you say they have. Got, you look at their striking lineup, yeah. and they've got yeah. Bertrand Diaz, uh, yeah. Ellis Sims, who's now gone, and Ross Stewart. So, this people will look at that and also look at the other side of the argument and say, "We'll just get a better striker."
2: Yeah, yeah, it's both things, isn't it? I mean, the, the two things work in tandem to an extent. Um I mean, I've said I, I've spent a lot of time on the account over the last few months. You know, not laying into them. I don't. I don't believe in laying into players individually. I've, started to lose a little bit of patience with a couple of them um in recent weeks. But I think we have to accept Lyndon isn't really well, this would be my opinion, certainly. I'm not sure he's of the caliber we require in this division. You look at someone like Ross Stewart, you yeah, know Ross Stewart signed from Scotland. Um, he's he's an amazing striker. He's absolutely hit the ground running. He hit the ground running in league one. maybe maybe that was the. Uh, the benefit he had over Dykes, you know, he, he was playing in League One and, you know, he can adapt uh, to, a, to a lesser division and has taken that form into the Championship. Maybe if Lindon had um, had a stint in League One, maybe maybe this would have been an easier transition for him. It, it's, it's just not happening, is it? I mean, I don't know. but others might have a different view. I, I don't know. But for me, it's got to the point now, I think, where I'm... Yeah, I just don't think it's happening for him. Yeah,
0: I think unfortunately for him, in reality, he should be part of a a battery of strikers, really, shouldn't he? He he couldn't, he shouldn't really be yeah. the number yeah. one, and there should be yeah. better recruitment around yeah. him. And it's an unfortunate yeah. situation where he's had to, you know, he has been our best performing striker with probably with goals. I guarantee, I think that's probably true. The only one that comes close would be Austin um, for, from the last couple of seasons. You know,
1: Andre Gray as well,
0: to be fair. Yeah, Gray should have had more time in the side towards the end of last season than other players. Uh, but I can kind of understand what Warburton was doing. Um, but yeah, there's been a failure in multiple points, and you've got this striker that has shown that he can do it from time to time. And, you know, it probably would be useful for him uh, to move on. We've already mentioned Ross Stewart. I kind of said to a, uh, fellow Scotland support in mate, that he would be Rush Stewart will be leading line for Scotland pretty soon because Dykes just isn't scoring goals and before his injury Ross Stewart was sc- scoring plenty then he's scoring plenty now that so he's perhaps going to lose his place in the uh, national side despite the fact that Clark lo- loves him so much and has played him quite a bit it's a thankless job being QPR's lone striker because he does kind of he does all the running around. He doesn't necessarily have that absolute lethal touch that he should do in front of goal for the lack of quality, for the amount we have. And then also, you know, a lot of the time when he does wing a flick on or something like that from the effort, there's no one near him. And that was a big problem against Luton. Tyler Roberts, unfortunately, in his position was a little bit too deep for my liking. Should have been a lot more closer to him because otherwise he just does he runs he runs around he flicks it on think, it goes to no one it comes back at us
2: i think i think it's a real shame with lyndon because um i remember was it fulham away last year not a great result for us but he's quite a quality goal there mm. i mean and i remember watching that and thinking we we've, we've got a real player here you know he he we've, we've got a real player you know i <laughs> slightly ludicrously thought in my head we possibly had you know a scottish version of harry kane yeah, it's just the way he took the goal was just like incredible, and I thought we've got a really serious player here. And yeah. almost since then, nothing. Just, just Do you know, what I, did, I, think, very little.
1: I think it's funny you say that, Steve, because one thing that I think, one myth that I think has come about with Lyndon Dykes is that oh, you need to give him crosses, you need to give him crosses. I, I, this target man thing, I think comes from his height. He's 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 tall and he's. Not really that strong, but he's a bit of a battering ram when you need him to be. He works hard, but he doesn't really sort of chase those balls in the bot. He's much more of a, I think he's been a bit misprofiled. I think everybody's just gone with his height and gone with a couple of the goals he scored in um, Scotland and been like, oh, he needs crosses, he needs long balls. Not really sure that's his game. I I think he kind of prefers to really be involved in the build-up with his feet more so than flick-ons that people don't really chase. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but...
3: It's probably yeah, no, I... Yeah, go on, Ben. you Well, I was just going to say, I, I agree with you on a lot of that, and, and it, sort of without wanting to step too much into the Sheffield United side of things. The, the the flick-ons thing, I feel, has been a thing for a long time. I don't know whether, Steve, if you've got any stats that kind of highlight this a bit more, but this idea that, that he he will win a header and it won't particularly go to anyone, or, as I saw a lot against Sheffield United, he won't necessarily win the header, Um but, and it's where he can be effective, he does enough, whether that's slightly disrupting the player who's challenging him for it, whether that's sort of stretching us out across the pitch, that even if we don't win the second ball, we win the third one. And that's that's what I felt like I was seeing happen against Sheffield United. Again, I, I don't have the statistical brain for it. It's a lot of, of thankless tasks, but I think the balls that we play into him are quite thankless as well. Not to say that he'll necessarily thrive from sort of these artfully placed long balls, because I, I agree, I don't think he's that sort of player. Um, but. But, yeah, yeah, he'll either win a header with no one to, to head it to, or he'll not win the header, but will eventually get there. And I think Sheffield United shows that he's actually pretty decent with his feet in the build-up. Mm. Um, for me, the jury's still out overall in terms of, like, I just, based on our recruitment and based on our finances, which I see as almost two, well, two separate but interlinked things. I don't, I don't fully back us to get someone in who's better, and I also don't think he's bad enough that I'm sat here with my head in my hands, going, "Well, what on earth are we doing with him up front?" It's this sort of middle ground where it's just, like, uh, you know, you've got to, you've got to keep hoping, and you've got to keep looking at what he has achieved. That Fulham goal, I remember looking at that and going, "If we've got Lyndon Dyke scoring goals that Naki Wells would have scored, we're really in business here." Um, well, the other
0: and thing I, I know, well, I don't know is why it's not a... happening. I, you remind me of the 4 0 winner home to Reading. We should have mm. probably won that 5 0, but I think Joe Lumley actually makes a pretty good save off a uh, sort of half volley that Lyndon mm. absolutely rockets towards the goal. Like, it, yeah, it, there's no re- real way, I guess, for him. He's on the edge of the box and it just obviously comes out to him and it's a nice height and he smashes it. Um,
3: um, so
0: I, it, I don't. There's like, there is a good finisher, like, there's a not not finisher in the ten, sense of like he's gonna like he, he's good at taking those sort of shots uh, from time to time he'll surprise you with that sort of long range effort that he, he shouldn't really be there but all of a sudden there's this thunderous ball that's heading towards a goal and you think how's that not going to go in but it hasn't so far On the can i briefly
3: um can i briefly invoke fine margins uh for a moment um Just again, and I'm sorry, I'm I'm, I'm kind of bulldozing into the Sheffield United thing now, but there's two moments that come to mind. There's one turn and shot that he does where I go actually in the space that he had and the time that he had, I don't think he could have done loads better. Um, Obviously, he doesn't score from that. And uh, one where I think it's Tyler Roberts puts in a really, really nice cross that on any other day deserves to be an assist. And Dyke sort of gets muscled off it. I can't remember which defender, but sort of gets muscled off it. It's one of those where you can look at it and go, it shows you what a ridiculously good player like Harland has in that he is always making that first contact with the ball, but also you're putting a good ball in towards Linden Dykes. He's making a decent run and he doesn't score because dot, dot, dot. And that's where I'm not sure where is that gap between, is it a bit of a lack of quality or is it sometimes a bit of bad luck? And where along that spectrum are we with him? Um, because there's a lot of admirable stuff and yet a lot of also really high profile chances that he should have scored, which are more in the, more in the, for instance, um, the one that we we're talking about against Luton, but I, I'm still—I don't know—I still don't I, want to make uh, a what, verdict.
2: What, what worries yeah. me, sorry, sorry to, and I'll—I'll—I'll I'll, I'll, I'll shut up about XG after this moment. But um, <laughs> you know, he's in every season he's been here, he's underperformed his XG, not by much. No, last season not by much, to be fair. Um, this season he's way off, and. Um, if you look at him in the context of other strikers in the division. And that, for me, again, is another red flag, which is it should be getting better. We're developing these players that we want to sell for more money, etc. You know, we spoke about macaulay Bond earlier. That, I'm afraid, is a terrible write-off that we've had to take. The danger is with Lyndon is it's going to be the same story. You know, I'm not saying he's quite up, you know as bad as Bond, but you wouldn't look at that as a prospective buyer and think oh, he's, he's developing in the way that he should be. Um, mm. So for all the talk of, you know, how are we playing him, is he doing flick-ons, he, does he need another striker next to him? There's all of that, but it, it's, it's worrying, I think. I think he really has to have a barnstormer of a second half of the season for us to feel more comfortable yeah. with him going forward.
0: I, I take your point because if you look at it, you know, what what is the most attractive... Or What should be the uh, easiest position for us to sell a player on and lump a load of money on as a premium? It's just a striker. Of course, that is the most expensive position to buy. Um, but the problem is that you have he's not going to be sold to a Premier League team. And that's the only team, the only amount of teams that you can sell to at the moment. No championship club is... In their right mind at the moment, unless someone goes really bonkers, is going to shell out a couple of million for another championship striker. But you know, you could see why we could have in the past, like m- mugged off a Bournemouth, for example, by sort of going, he scored a couple of goals in the championship. He's a Scottish international. You know, go on, you want to, you really want to, and they probably would have. But now that yeah, saying, uh, that doesn't happen. Uh...
1: I have a lot of sympathy. I have some sympathy for the club in that that market is like completely died. So now we're in a situation where we have to produce a player that can either go and play in the Premier League or in one of a, in a decent top league in Europe. Um, my thing with Dykes is that I just don't even think a champion, like if this was three, four years ago, I'd, I'm not even sure a championship club would shell out money for him. Um, it's it's He's 27 now. Mm. Uh, he came to QPR at, what, 24, 25? Like, a, a, yeah. a, relatively, a relatively decent age for a striker to start trend towards, you know, their prime of their career and their best sort of goal-scoring years. Um, I, I, I'm starting to think, you know, for all the arguments about, are we getting the best out of him? Can we really, like, jig our entire team again and again and again to try and get the best out of someone who, in my opinion probably doesn't score more than, you know, 10 goals a season. We will have to move think...
0: on from this point because we have got a few more things to talk about. But just to, you know, finally say, because I would love to talk about Scottish internationals till the cows come home. But, you know, he has got the record for most consecutive goals for a Scotland international. And that <laughs> up until recently, he was doing quite well uh, playing for Scotland. But, you know, the rumours are at the moment that we're not going to be selling him. We're actually going to be giving him another contract because we're so desperate to keep our one striker because apparently Rangers are interested. And Steve, I know you're shaking your head there. Um, it seems unlikely that he would follow Bill up there. but I don't know. Like, it seems well, bizarre, doesn't it?
2: Maybe, maybe the irony is that we need Michael Bill to come to the rescue and, and give us 4 million quid for him. <laughs> no, it's not going to happen, yeah. is it? Um, but it, uh, we give him a new contract. What does that say? What does it say? I mean, look, I, I get we don't want to have to write off another striker just as we've done today, but this, year, that's it's, we talked about Shadipo and Hamalainen and all this kind of stuff. What, what, Lyndon's incentive to um, be better? You know, we we talked about he, he's he's not scored. He scored eight goals, eight non-penalty goals first season, eight non-penalty goals last season, and four non-penalty goals this season so far. So, yes, Mikey, you're right. He's not going to get more than 10. He's not going to get 10 goals, let alone more than 10 goals. And um, if we're giving new contracts out for that, I don't know. I'd, I'd hope they're heavily incentivized. They're heavily incentivized or goal scored, et cetera. But, you know, Very quickly, then, let's just, just touch are. on
0: the last goal uh, from Luton. This was the goal that made everyone leave, I think, who... Will will be, um, you know, a very, very good goal from a Luton point of view, but from our sort of uh, depressed look, um, you know, the ball gets pinged around all over the place and they do sort of move it very quickly. Um, there's nothing much, that's, there's nothing that Senny can do about this. There has been, uh, reading Clive uh review of the game, he he points out uh, Iribunum as you know a player doesn't run off the back of him he runs off the front of him he should be sort of be able to spot that uh is there anything we can do about this goal at all is it just sort of so past the point of no return that this was always going to happen micah
1: steve anyone <laughs> anyone wants to talk <laughs> about this really depressing moment i was really hoping you wouldn't come to me that it's a great hit it's a great hit um for me, if I'm remembering the goal correctly, it's a long ball. It's headed down. Um, I think there's a nice little one-two between the uh, Luton players. Um, but it's yeah,
0: Morris again, isn't it? Like the, the two combined yeah, yeah, earlier on. They do it. Yeah,
1: again. you 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 can make you can make the argument, and I will make the argument that you know there's people just stood around ball watching as the one one-twos played, and you could also make the argument that it's probably the best goal of the three. Um, but by at that point in the night, it was just so lax. It was so, the players look, felt like they were beaten in, from the TV. You could just hear it in the crowd. The crowd felt like they were beaten. The commentators were talking like the game was already over because it was. It was just all very, it's the type of goal you concede when the chips are down and you know you're not going to win the game and everybody's kind of given up. And there was honestly that sense in the players, to be honest, from the first goal onwards Mm. so it's definitely definitely preventable but you know i'm gonna
0: use this skull uh as you say you know it probably you can't pin it all on him but i'm a little bit uh i want to have a little discussion we won't go as in depth as we did with dykes but the loan of Iribunum, okay we always knew that this wasn't going to be you know, there's a lot of talent there. Villa will want to keep him. There's no way he's coming back to us. I think we can effectively say that at this point in the season. W- when I look at his stats, he hasn't got a, a goal or an assist and he's coming closer, you could argue, to the goal. Uh He played very well against Preston, hit the bar a, a few times. But at what point does this loan really not become beneficial for us? Because we're leaning quite heavily on him at the moment. Like, it, And it, Beal was obviously... A big reason for him coming but it is slightly frustrating me that we're not creating anything concrete out of that midfield at the moment without Johansson being there
2: yeah it, it for me maybe controversial I don't think it's beneficial for us at all yeah I don't I don't I don't he's a very good player I'm, I'm sure he'll go on to some really good things in the Premier League but I I just don't get it I don't get again we're 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 letting another club use us. We're not we're not we're not gonna go up or anything like that with him at the kind of helm. It's um it's but again it comes back to what we said earlier about is there anyone else we can play there while whilst Johansson is injured and you know, do we this is part of the problem, isn't it? We don't really have a squad. We don't we don't have a big enough squad and um we're having to fill it fill these holes with lone players which you know we really get no real benefit of. I think you know, he can play very well, but he goes in and out of games. Yeah. And again, what's his? That's if if, if he's got though. people, if he's got people saying saying to him, you know, you're going to be this big star in the Premier League and all this kind of stuff. Where's his incentive to get better? Where's his incentive to use this next six months wisely? If he sort of knows that Dylan are already going to stick him in there, their first team next season, I I don't know. It's, that
1: that it's is gone. my problem. It's it's the in and out thing for me because it's like. I remember when we were actually like, you know, bringing through under 23 players. I remember Eze's first season where he'd have a really good game and then he'd have a game where he just didn't look like he was at it at all. But, you know, you knew he was going to be there next season. So it was like, oh, you know, like, you know, he's a young player, you know, he's got to find his feet. There's clearly talent there. Boomin reminds me a lot of that, except that he's not going to be here next season. And, you know, he's clearly a very talented youngster. He's clearly the type of centre midfielder that this country hasn't really produced, to be quite honest with you, if he, you know, trends to be what it looks like he could be. And that's all well and good, but it's like you said, Steve, how does, how does it benefit QPR if we get all the, if we iron out all the creases for him, for Aston Villa, and he goes to Aston Villa and he's a great player. What are we, we're just a footnote in his story then, yeah. if he does mm-hmm. well, oh, he did well at QPR. So, okay, yeah. what, what did we get from it? We finished 12th. Or the thing is, well, with like Eze, 14th, you know,
0: is that there was always an end product with him, though. There was, a, well, not always, but like at least he was scoring goals, you know?
1: Well, I don't even mind because I don't think he's that type of player. And I I think him and Field, I think, did a really good job of sort of, you know, sitting and screening against Sheffield United. And I I like him. I do like him as a player. I don't want people, because I've, I've made yeah. this point a couple of times, I don't want people to <laughs> think that I don't like him. I think he's really good. I like watching him play but it's it's just kind of like what what do we want as a club like do we want to be like a Coventry last season where we build our team off off lone players and do all right like that or do we actually kind of want to find our own gems and produce them because it's it's we're kind of at this weird midway point where we want like academy managers so we can bring in lone players but we also want our own players and it's like well you know, I get it. The The financial situation is weird. And I think the EFL and the Premier League need to take some responsibility for the state of the championship at the moment. But we can't keep blaming external factors when we're making, in my opinion, some really weird decisions at times.
3: Yeah, I, I just sort of add to that. And I think I'm possibly less against his role in the side than, than maybe you guys are and i sort of see that you know we've got two sort of prominent loans in the team and, and at points in the season they've been our better players and so i'm not i'm i'm a bit 50 50 on that but i think the point for me to make is that if you go ahead with what we've done previously of quite crudely putting our midfielders into sort of three categories um, the first choice for each category being johansen field and eric boonham at this point in time Um, The player that I look at as being behind Eric Boonham in that pecking order is Amos, um, in terms of Dezel being a little closer to Steph's game, and then not really being a field backup. And so then you look at it and go, okay, Steph field Amos. And I don't look at that as being as strong as Steffield Eric Boonan, but I do look at that as going, there is a player that we've had that has shown quality. And again, maybe not that quality, this is Amos, of like, we're going to sell him on for huge money, but definitely one of, if he can keep his fitness, he can be a good, good player for us at the level that we play and at the level that we're sort of trying to push to. That's where it worries me. Um, is when you look at specifically who's behind him in that pecking order more than the fact that he's sorry because if we if we had a loan if Sam Field was here on loan I'd be saying dear god play him because we've actually not really got someone else that does that job that well Amos doesn't do it as well but I want to see
0: more of him the thing is about that I don't actually know when his contract expires Amos but um I, I can't see him getting another deal the amount of injuries he's had that That's for their the lack of that you know, oh. it, there's no yeah I, I see him as even though Iribunum is actually gonna be leaving us, I still see a- Amos as most likely to leave of all those midfielders because or well, he's not on par with Irabunum because it's just that there's no point. We, you know, he was a Warburton sign-in. Warburton loved him and he saw a lot in him. And you know, when he has come good, he's clearly you know a capable player. Oh,
2: really good. Very it's, good. But it's
0: it's just the injuries. You can't build a midfield mm. on that. You can't build a midfield on field. Uh, Johansson who is at the end of his career always injured yeah. Amos always injured at the start of his career and Field who let's be honest is one bad injury away from rediscovering his injury issues and when he went down the other day for a hamstring injury against Sheffield United it's like oh god no <laughs> no, we can't leave him at this point It's it's a risk that we take because we're in the situation but Amos surely isn't going to be someone that's going to be sticking around
1: so just, no, to, just, no. to the, just to go back to the point you made, his contract is up at the end of this season. I don't. It doesn't say uh, in the press release where we signed him, because that was his new contract, about an extra option, um, which, you know, I, I wouldn't bet against there being an extra option because obviously Lee Hughes loves the, that three plus mm-hmm. one thing, but it doesn't say. And if you look at Willock's press release, it does say that there's a three plus one. So yeah. make that what you will. Yeah, and just, just a just a
3: very quick one is that I then it comes back to okay, if uh, maybe maybe I'm being optimistic about Amos. I'd rather have good lone players than bad ones. Like don't get me wrong, like, you know, I would rather we're getting in an Eric Boonham than a with no disrespect intended little Matt Smith in midfield when we did that. I'm glad that we're attracting great players, even though actually that was slightly the Beale effect and we weren't talking about that. Um I, I suppose maybe then you look at a lack of quality recruitment behind them. If I'm looking at Luke Amos as our as our our big prospect and then we go oh he's not a prospect anymore and he might not stay. And then I'd struggle to make an argument against playing Erboonam because what have we got? I mean um, but it, anyway we're obviously
0: going to have to play him. that's the thing. It's just I'm annoyed that we're depending on someone that's just not going to benefit us long term. Yeah that's Yeah no problem.
1: yeah yeah. yeah. I dislike for him being in the team. I, I think we're about to team with him in it. It's it's not a case of I don't yeah. think he should be playing. It's more a case of we're now we're just delaying a problem because next summer we'll have to buy a midfielder. Yeah, and sure. Money there. Yeah. So what's it going to be the, the same?
2: Is, is the, sorry. So just lastly on this, it, it's the same issue with the, with the right back situation. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, this it, it, is the whole thing that Clive was talking about at the start of the season. I was pretty you know heads up about it on Twitter about you know we're loaning in Ethan Laird again. That's a Beal thing perhaps, but. Same old story, you know, and Luke Amos, I mean, on his good days, he is a fantastic player. Really, I was so excited when we signed him. I thought it was a real opportunity for a a rough diamond, to polish a rough diamond there that wasn't going to get Premier League time. Ah, I'd I'd give him another year or two, I really would. I don't think we've got anything to lose from doing that, Um, even if he only plays 40% of the time, we'll see.
0: I think we probably, it's, we probably will because it would be difficult to recruit. That would yeah. be the only reason because it's a body that we can fill. But then you know when he goes injured again, that's kind of it defeats purpose. Anyway, um, I'm really enjoying this, but we have <laughs> we've left it very late. But there is one more yeah. game to briefly, briefly talk about. That you know, let's just talk very quickly. We get lucky. We took a shot. We scored. It was a massive deflection, but wasn't that nice that when the ball actually went in, it was good, wasn't it? Like. To actually see a score. That was brilliant. Yeah, it was
1: nice it was nice yeah. being on the other side of something cool. like that for once.
0: Yeah, sometimes you just need a little bit of luck, don't you? Um, but if you compare this game to Luton, where there was a lack of effort, fight, everything, really, the, it was a polar opposite. And if there was a, a chance at Luton, you could probably bet that they were going to just, no one was going to put the body in the way. It was going to go through and Sonny might save it. Sonny might not save it. But in this game, they were putting everything in the way. A part of someone's body was going to be between the ball and Sunny Dieng before it got there, unfortunately, until the last moment of the game. Um, but I think we've all walked away feeling a little bit more positive and renewed.
3: Yeah, I think I think we did all the buzzwords really well in that game, sort of grit, determination, you know, intensity and all of those Um I thought, I thought it was a more tactically sensible performance. I thought it was a more balanced performance. You're very unfortunate to concede when you do, but I think going toe-to-toe to that extent with a team that is right up there at the top of the league in terms of budget, in terms of quality, um, I was really impressed with it. I enjoyed watching us in that game. Um, I thought, like I have said before, that the balls up to Linden Dykes eventually seemed to get somewhere. The hooked sort of balls down the wing tended to result in something. Um, Willett wasn't maybe quite 100%. I thought chair looked really nippy and, and exciting uh, to watch. I thought Roberts was improved. Centre backs, other than that moment, acquitted themselves, I thought fairly well. Um, we looked like we were up for it, which I'm, I'm sure is not a particularly intelligent analysis of the game. But it, it, it made for one where, yes, we were at points lucky to not concede another goal at points unlucky to concede when we did but for it to be a bit of a coin toss against the team that's second in the league I was not upset with that performance at all and I I liked watching it
0: the annoying thing is Steve though is that just before the game obviously you know Brentford went and beat Liverpool and they really sort of and they've beaten Man United this season we're sitting here going thank god we had a shot on target right like,
2: Yes, that's. I mean, for all the reasons we've just talked about, about issues with recruitment, etc. You know, we're trying. To be fair, you know, we're trying to follow the Brentford model when Brentford did it pre-COVID, and um, Brentford, it, Brentford, and other clubs like that have. have you know, they 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 existed in a different market, and we don't exist in that market anymore. Uh, well, that market doesn't really exist anymore. Um, not so much, um, and it is it is disappointing. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go onto my hobby horse about state of the stadium and all of this kind of stuff, you know, I mean, even against, when I turned up against Luton, there's, there's stuff The, the sounds. The there's just things in the stadium. That the sound against so, Sheffield
0: United was awful, wasn't it? Or,
2: yeah, I mean, I yeah, um, but it's, uh, but interestingly, here's how statistics can lie to you sometimes, you know, we, um, we actually won more tackles against Luton than we did Sheffield United. And we, all well, percentage-wise, we won a greater proportion of tackles against Luton than um, against Sheffield United. We won a greater percentage of duels against Luton than we did against Sheffield United. And yet, you know, we're we're saying, you know, the really quality performance. We were really up for it. And we were definitely. It was far better than Luton. My I kind of came away from it very disappointed, of course, that we conceded. Happy with the performance, but. And maybe this is unfair because it's against Sheffield United, a very good team, but we didn't really create many chances. Again, you know, and we scored a fortunate goal, which put us in the lead, and we defended that lead very well. And we, and we, and as Ben said, we were tactically astute. But it's the same issue: we're not creating chances. We're going to win football matches in this division, and that, alongside all the stuff we've talked about about Linden Dykes, etc. I don't know. Until that gets resolved on um, fairly bearish on things at the moment with us. We'll see. I felt we could have won that. We, we were very unlucky not to win that game, but we could have we could have got a second goal there if we'd have really, really gone for it. So yeah. you
0: know. I mean it was disappointing in the end to concede that goal right at the end. Um and I think Critchley has a moan about a foul, but I haven't bothered looking back at it. I don't wanna see it again. But Micah, in uh, thirty seconds, who was the most improved player? from that performance compared to Uh, Luton?
1: How about everybody? um, I've said it before. We all think Rob Dickey should be playing, not least because he's obviously a valued asset and a modern centre-back, but I I really thought he had a good game. There was a couple of shaky moments, but when you compare it to where he was, uh, I can't even remember what game it was. Was it the Coventry game? I can't remember. If you compare it to where he was before the World Cup, where he looked like an absolute shadow of his former self, it was really good to see him kind of just get back into it. Chair looked like he was on it again. Will look looked closer to his former self. He's still not there. There's clearly still something not right there. Whether it's fitness or whether he wants to go, I don't know. Um, but you know, I was actually, I actually quite, in, I actually quite enjoyed that performance. Yes, we still need to create more chances. Yes, you know, we we at times, you know, are a little bit sloppy in possession, uh, even though we seem to have so much of it. Um, but again, I mean, critically, if we think about it, is it only two and a half weeks in the job? He's in it. I can't even remember what it is. Um, you, all you can ask for is at least positive signs at uh, this early stage, and I think there were some. So yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, so that is it for this week's podcast. A very long one for you listeners, but I, you know, I, I've enjoyed uh going through everything with uh these guys so i hope you enjoyed it too so thank you very much to ben steve and micah for coming on and discussing everything in uh, great detail we are all on twitter uh you can find us all on there uh follow our generation on twitter as well at our generation net uh steve is is it at qpr analytics
2: it's at analytics qpr weirdly
0: yeah. um yeah fantastic thank you very much uh, don't quite know when we'll be back um i think what was it fleetwood at the weekend let's hope we don't embarrass ourselves up there uh, and yeah until next time thank you very much for listening and come on you guys